You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 218 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Hands On Gloves, the all-in-one revolutionary bathing grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have Monty Roberts speaking on the future for the young horse person and using the knowledge built over the last 30 plus years. And we also hear from a new expert to Horsemanship Radio, Dr. Alberto Ruyan. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today, as always. Yay! Hi, Jen. Yay! How are, you and, how are you and Nigel, by the way? I haven't asked about Nigel for a little bit. Me and Nigel are doing great. We had a major <laughs> milestone just the other week. I'm glad you yeah. asked. We recently purchased a new horse trailer. Okay. Yes. And been shopping. Mm-hmm. we had been shopping. So we got our new horse trailer and the new horse trailer is a step up slant load. Okay. And Nigel has never been in a slant load trailer before to my knowledge. Okay. Uh, has he, he always done a step up or? We always, always had ramps. Okay. Okay. And he is one of those troubled trailerers that we have carefully yeah. curated his trailering life to keep it from, mm-hmm. from rearing its ugly PTSD head. So I took about a month, a little more than a month, to get him so that he could walk onto the trailer and go, oh, this is cool. I can do this. Mm-hmm. And then step out of the trailer and go, okay, I'm all right with that. Uh, yeah, off the end of the earth there. Okay. Yes, off the end of the earth. And it's quite a high trailer because it's a living quarters. Oh, gosh, yeah. Why, can I ask, sorry, don't forget where you were in the story, but why a step up instead? Is it because of the living quarters? Why not a ramp? Not a ramp because that was not what was available. Oh, yeah. I know what you mean. I know. That's true. Uh-huh. Okay. And all right. al- also, we have to have a carriage rack put on the back. Right. And it's easier Glenn. with a, with doors than with a ramp because Glenn has his carriage. That's right. Glenn has a carriage. Yeah. So we did that. So we finally loaded them up into the trailer and went for a drive to one of the local trailheads and took them out for a, a hack and a walk and a stretch and then hung out and had lunch there and then loaded them up and came back home. Okay. Uh, and it was really interesting. And this is not something that I would have expected because okay. I'm going to use my air quotes research. <laughs> shows. It's not really research, but you hear touted all the time that horses re- prefer to stand sideways or backwards mm-hmm. in a horse trailer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nigel has the back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He has the back of the horse trailer to himself. The first stall in the slant load is Scooter, who is only 12 hands high. He fits in there just fine. And then the remainder, which is two more stalls, plus where the uh, collapsible tack would be, has been removed. So he has the entire thing back there to himself. And he's tied where you would normally tie a horse for a slant load. Uh And when we got there to the trailhead, and then also when we came home, we're at the barn. When I opened that door, he was standing exactly in the center of the horse trailer, Exactly parallel, straightforward. Okay, and you don't think he moved or anything? Well, there were no other hoofprints in the shot in the shot. Oh, okay, there you know. Yeah, there you know. <laughs> All right, so Nigel's, you know, always out of the box thinker. He's- Isn't that interesting? <laughs> well, and I've mentioned this before with him. 
one of his many, many issues when it comes to being in trailers is he needs to wear that blanket that Monty invented for yeah, putting horses in the point. starting gates. Mm-hmm. Because his sides, is he funny? He doesn't want anything sides? to touch him. Yeah. So when he's in the horse trailer that has partitions, he stands exactly in the center of the partitions so they don't touch him. Yeah. Yeah. So I think part of it is he didn't want to touch any edges. Yeah. But when a horse trailer s- speeds up and slows down in a slant, the horses swing left to right. Right? So they have to use the left to right muscles. Yep. Lots of stifle action there. Wow. Right? That's right. He has sticky stifles that get really sore. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Ah, so I'm going, maybe he's smart enough to realize that if I stand straight, yeah, he can just use his abs to do that work. And his hocks more it's so than really, his stifle. Yeah, it's a really good point, true, because, yeah, it is a stifly, um, that that 45-degree angle thing is about the, the yeah. corners, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. That, I thought that was interesting. But he got in and he got out. He was, it's, it's, it was, he actually had applause when he got out of the horse trailer. <laughs> when, we, when we got back to the barn, there were some folks over at the barn at yeah. the cross ties getting, getting finished up from a ride. And they applauded. It, it took him about seven minutes to step out. He, yeah. he he scrunched himself all. He'd take one step back with each hind hoof, so it was kind of at the edge. And then he'd scooch his front feet so that they met the back feet. <laughs> He's like a little pyramid. He's like a little pyramid. And he stood there, and he his whole body shook, oh. and he broke out in a sweat. <laughs> so you couldn't turn him around in there. Well, I let him. I, I tried that. I let him oh. turn around one time when we were learning to load in and out, and he got three-quarters of the way around and fell out of the trailer. Oh, so maybe that's not the best. Bet. Okay. Yeah. Plan B. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, plan B. <laughs> See, if he's in there completely alone and the entire trailer is open, uh huh, he'll turn he around. Yeah. But with Scooter in the front, he doesn't think he's got enough room because he won't push himself up against the edge of something. Right. Like when he's in a stall, he only walks around in the middle. We'll have to stall. get you a Monty Roberts blanket. That's might change blanket. his life. But, you know, <laughs> it, I was I was kind of proud of myself. I'm going to give myself a little pat in the back. There you go. Because. I took, I swallowed my pride and I said, you know, Nigel, you can take as long as you want to get out. It's just fine. I'm going to stand here and I'm going to give you a pat in the neck. And each time you take a deep breath and relax a little bit, I'm going to give you a little pat. And I'd let him move his front feet forward if he wanted to. It's like, oh, I don't want to get out. That's fine. Move your front feet forward. Well, can you back again? And he'd say, sure, I'll try it. And he he did that about five times. Then he finally got the hind feet out. But so smart. I, he knows exactly what I mean when I say back. He's one of those horses that whatever we're doing, if I say back, he starts taking steps back. He knew what he yeah. want, what we wanted. He was just afraid to do it. Yeah, that's it. And there is, you know, you're so smart to do no agenda on that thing too. You know, that's why we always teach people to, if we can, to practice loading all the time and have no place to go. <laughs> Interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah, we have a trailer that's just behind the barn just a little bit and it is on blocks and safe and um, and it's nice and tall and so there's no bad experiences but the, our OTTBs that are in the Mustang and Transition Horse program, we don't know how much they might have been on and off a trailer a couple of times. You know, they if if they are 3, 4 years old, they might not have a lot of experience. And it might be negative if they do. Yeah, so right there. Give me know. a give me a horse that's never been on a trailer versus one that's been on a trailer and a bad experience. Right, a bad experience. Exactly right. It's harder to undo. So we want it to be just really, really gentle and sweet. And I don't care if they have all day 
you know, to, to figure it out. It doesn't take that long. You know, you know, dad's famous saying of, if you act like you have 15 minutes, it's likely to take you all day long, but if you like you got all day long, it might take you 15 minutes. So there's a lot to that because it's about our breathing and our, you know, adrenaline and theirs Mm -hmm. sinking with us, but also just giving them a lot of time. You remember their eyes. We've talked about that on here. Their eyes have to adjust their, they see things differently in size and proportion than we do close up. It looks really big. And so, yeah, there's all that good for you. I'm, I'm proud of you too. I I was just, I just wanted to give him a big old gold star. Yeah. Gold star. (laughs) Good job, Nigel. I'm glad to hear about him and I'm glad for that milestone for you too. Yeah. And you know, and it's, it was, it's been thus far, I'm not going to say it was successful because it's an ongoing process when you have a horse that has deep seated emotional fear of being trailered. Um, It's, it's, you have to keep that attitude all the time, but it's in no small part that it's been this successful. Because I get to chat with folks like you and Monty a lot. Well, just I appreciate the fact that you, you are a good student. You are a good student of everybody's. Um, but if, that's if, why if you if you, you say it to me enough times, eventually it sinks in. No, <laughs> no, no. It's it's Nigel that's doing it. You just have to get out of his way. And just oh, thank space. you. You're right. I just have to get out of his way. That is exactly <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, just give him his time. Give him his. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to get out of his way. He's 1,250 pounds. Don't right. <laughs> <Golly>. <laughs> everything too. <laughs> well, before we get to our first guest, we always have a little chat about hands-on gloves because they are our title sponsor after all. And you had mentioned something a little earlier about a mare you had there at the farm that could benefit from some new techniques with mm-hmm. the hands-on gloves. Yes, I loved you. We were talking about hands-on gloves being um, so clever. There's so many different things about them that we love. But the one thing this poor mare is always suffering from are the little drip drips off the belly when we wash her. And she's such a sweetheart. She really puts up with a lot. But for her, you can just tell it's like super ticklish. Like there was flies all over her belly and it's Aww. not just a little water drops, you know, but even after you scrape her off, you know how the water eh, creeps down under there and it drips a few more. T- it drives her bananas. And you told me about a video that showed a guy who had thrown a towel over his his dog in this case. Uh, but, you know, before you put it back in the car, P.U., <laughs> you, you get a towel. But for those who, you know, want to really be able to grip the towel and really get a, a good job done of drying the dog or the horse in this case, and I could really reach under a belly by putting on my hands-on gloves, grabbing the towel, and, you know, I don't have to hold it very hard if I can scrub under her tummy with that towel and get those last little bits of moisture out of there so it doesn't bother her. We've all taken the towel, and we dry some part of the horse with the towel. Mm-hmm. Well, the towel dries the top of the hair. Right. Right. It it does, especially as their hair gets a little heavier in the wintertime. Yeah. Here we are. It, it doesn't, it doesn't get down. And it's like trying to wash your hand without using your hair, without washing your, using your fingertips. It doesn't work. Exactly. Jen. That, that's a perfect analogy. Cause I can't get in there, especially under the belly. You know, it's kind of loose skin and yeah. Yeah. yeah that's perfect. brilliant. So washing your horse, give them a quick scrape and you've already got your hands on glove on anyway, because you're anyway. using that to scrub your horse. Yep. We'll just grab the towel in your hand. Give the tummy a rub, give the legs, and what a great way to also get the legs and fetlocks and coronets mm-hmm. really, really dry because that's going to ward off scratches. 
Yes, that's another thing that we can get here in the tall grasses. And she is a pasture horse, but uh, she's she's absolutely lovely. And she loves her spa days and loves her grooming, but she hates her little uh, drip drops. There we go. For tummy. Yet another, we're going to have to develop a pamphlet, 101 Useful Ways that You Can Use Your I'm telling you, every time you get horse girls together and you talk about hands-on gloves, we come up with a new one almost every time. Every time. Well, you can find out more at handsongloves.com or you can find them at your local retailer. Monty Roberts has won 11 World's Championships in the show ring across disciplines. His violent-free methods do not sit at odds with competition, but in fact create breakthrough performance by creating a willing partnership. Olympians such as Will Simpson in show jumping and Charlotte Dujardin in dressage admire and use Monty's nonviolent methods. Some of the world's top trainers have had Monty work with their most challenging horses to overcome behavioral issues. Recently, I sat down with Dad, Monty Roberts, and discussed with him the future of the concepts and those that are taking it up and those disciplines that are being changed by it. The first question I have for you is about, of course, good horsemanship. Um, You are the definition of good horsemanship across the globe, in a lot of people's opinion, that are at the top of their game in performance. Let's think... Charlotte Dujardin respects you wholly. Um, Three-day eventer is Boyd Martin completely respects you and what you've done. And Sarah Dawson, you know her father. You've given him awards, Richard Winters. Good horsemanship is in their fingertips. I don't think anybody would deny that. And what are the other ingredients that probably have uh, been an example for the next generation? And then more importantly, what would you like to see happen with horses? Horses are horses, as you say quite often. What would you like to see with across the disciplines? So we've talked dressage, three-day eventing, uh, Western working cow horse, but there are lots of disciplines out there at the highest level with people that are excelling and they're young and they're going to shape the future. What would you like to see as the unifiers, the best practices, uh, best horsemanship that would create a strengthening uh, of the basis for good horsemanship? Well, this is an easy one for me because no one on the face of this earth could be prouder of what's happening in the horse industry. Nobody could. Hmm. I, I, I look back and I listen to the criticisms that I went through early on about not respecting tradition and all this namby-pamby stuff with no violence and stuff like that. He doesn't know what he's talking about. You're going to do that. No matter what the discipline is, you're going to have people that want it to stay the same because they know the same and they don't know the new. And the world is learning the new. And the new is to accept horses as a part of your life and as a partner with you in the efforts that you make with them. And these names that you mentioned, Charlotte Desjardins Mm -hmm. and uh, Richard Winters, Mm -hmm. the father of... Sarah Dawson and 
you go across the spectrum and it's changing so rapidly, nobody could have ever dreamed it would happen like this. At the time that the Rain Cowhorse Association joined with the National Association and took it to Texas, um, there was a whole new generation born. You didn't mention the names of the students I had. Ron Rawls yeah. is the oldest one, but I didn't get him until he was 38. That's right. That's right. And he was incredibly uh, accepting of my work right away. He was a cowboy all out, tough guy, rope him and pull him down. But Philip Rawls, his son, was born and raised here on this farm, and uh, he's right there along with them, as well as uh, Zane Davis mm -hmm. uh, from uh, the Washington area. Northwest. Mm -hmm. Northwest. But you didn't mention polo. Right. Um, now, here we are with uh, eventing, dressage, rain cow horses, which also means raining, mm -hmm. and the other Western divisions, mm -hmm. of which Pat has made an example, my wife mm -hmm. has made an example of how you can learn these things later in life and you don't have to be a tough guy to get it done. Pat never showed a horse until she was in her, I don't know, 50s or something. And, well, and not, not certainly in not in raining. Yeah, not in raining. And, uh, and then she began in her 50s in the raining and she won a $5,000 saddle for excellence. Come on, I'll tell you who needs to work the hardest okay. to continue this change that's going on in the world? The horses. Hmm. The horses keep telling us. It's not human beings that tell us. It's the horses. Sarah Dawson is riding horses that score higher than anybody's ever seen in the reigning and rain cow horse hmm. division. Why? Because she's letting them do it. She's asking them to do certain things and allowing it to happen. Running 40 miles an hour and sliding to a stop and then just stand there and lick their lips and relax and then spin like a top and go the other direction at 40 miles an hour. How does that happen? Well, they can't be stirred up and waiting for a whip. They can't be stirred up and waiting for a spur in the shoulder and have that happen. It's the asking instead of demanding that's going on. Mm -hmm. But what about the discipline called polo? Polo was, and I say that really confidently, polo was the most difficult starting process that we could see in the horse industry. Many of the people listening to this would never have been to Argentina or Brazil, or Chile or Peru, where South American style Spanish breaking was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Tie them to a post, beat them half to death and break them. With 52% scientifically studied, 
52% of the horses in that breaking process were dying. And all of a sudden, here comes Adolfo Cambiasso. And he brings 20 head of horses here to this place and says, I want to put them in this field. And I want to come back here and I want to bring eight of my breakers here. I have seen something that is hard to believe. And I've had people that would be in Polo that have come here and gotten to know you, Memo and Carlos Gracida. They told me to come and watch this. I watched it. And I can't believe it. And I'm spending so much money with dead horses in Argentina. Well, since that first year with his 20 head of horses, there was another year with 20. But those guys learned it overnight. And they did it well and came back to me with (coughs) improvements in my own theories. And I can see an improvement when I notice it. Mm -hmm. Um, It was easy to see that they changed the game of polo to the extent that Adolfo Cambiasso can now spend $100,000 for the best breeding. And the game of polo has upped its course probably 200% in terms of speed and, and scoring. Why? They're riding better horses. Uh, those little ponies they brought over from Spain, uh, you know, just across from Africa, they date back to the original horses. When they're in the saddle, are they better horsemen? In the saddle, polo has changed as much as it has in the braking pin. There's less whipping. There's less spurring. There's less demand on the horses than there ever was. And one of the reasons for that is that the horses are doing it before they even ask them. Most of them, I mean, they do converse rather than act upon their own. But they've learned polo well enough. The horses are tracking the ball better. Mm. They're, they're looking at the ball like a dog would go fetch. Mm-hmm. They're looking at the ball and taking their rider to the ball. I have conversations with these top-in-the-world polo players. And here's the really funny part of it, is that Adolfo Cambiasso has a son. And his son started playing polo at the age of 14 or something like this. And he is now maybe the best in the world. And he has a nephew that maybe is second best. Mm. Those two young ones have eclipsed Adolfo Cambiasso himself. And uh, they don't know any different. They, they were brought up now on my methods because it goes back 12, 15 years since, since I first met Adolfo Cambiasso and showed him my, my principles, my violence-free principles. And um, the game of polo has eclipsed all other disciplines in the improvement of the average individual in the game based upon nonviolent techniques. So that's the bottom line. It's the nonviolent. So Richard Winters took that up uh, as a, he's been in performance. He's also heavily known as a teacher, a clinician, 
Um, Charlotte Dujardin, of course, was known more for her performance first, but now she's trained up so many horses that it wasn't lucky. <laughs> I don't think anybody would say she was lucky. Carl Hester, who worked with uh, Charlotte Bredal Baker, who is our neighbor over here. Carl Hester goes back to the 90s with Charlotte Bredal Baker, and Charlotte has brought some of her horses here to start. Um, but talk to us about the young person that is sitting at maybe they're 10 years in the business already and they're only 25 years old. What would you advise them to do besides learn your concepts? I mean, that it's obviously working for a lot of people and a lot of horses. So what else would you advise them to do? Work hard, um, well, work, work smart. Work, yeah. yeah, work hard. But remember that today is a different world than when I was learning how to ride and learning how to train horses, etc. You have a thing now called a computer. And it sits there on everybody's desk. I don't know how to turn one on. But my point is that you can stay abreast of what's going on now better than we ever could. And who wants to emulate that person, let's say, in the snaffle bit futurity that's out there spurning the shoulder and snatching the reins and uh, and using a whip? On them. Who wants to emulate that when they watch Sarah Dawson go out there and beat the men mm-hmm. quiet as a church mouse, sitting there letting the horses do it? Now, she's training. It's, it's her responsibility. I know she's training. It isn't that the horses already know it when they're born, but they're willing to listen when they're not demanded from. And then they're willing to do what the rider wants them to do because they're congratulated for it. Just a rub in the neck. A horse doesn't require even as much as a dog does to congratulate them. These horses are finding a different species of human when they work. And somebody like Sarah Dawson and her husband, they're not going to reverse and go the other way now. And Charlotte is not going to reverse and go the other way now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's incredible that I've lived long enough to see my concepts turn around. And I know Don Dodge is dead. He was one of my teachers. And he argued with me in the latter part of his life, saying, ah, this stuff will never catch on because uh, nobody will watch it well enough, and they don't want to be namby-pamby like you are without any violence. And uh, we'll all be dead and gone before any changes, big changes are made in the training of horses. Well, fortunately, I'm still here, not much, but I'm still hanging on just in the last stages. But I'm able to see Mm -hmm. the world changing like it has never changed before. I just got off the phone this morning from the largest breeder of thoroughbred horses in Europe. That's Gestut Fairhof, Bremen, Germany. They have, they're having the best year that they've had in the last 25 years or so right now. And I was with them 26 years. 
and over 50 championships. Mm -hmm. That's the high-weighted horse of a division in a year were accomplished by Gestut Fairhoff. One stallion that I saved the life of, they were he was going to have to be put down. I saved his life and he went to racing and he became horse of the year in Germany. And then he started having babies and I bought a mare and bred to him and the two of them produced Silvano, who was six years the leading sire in South Africa, if you can believe it. And um, so it isn't just those things where we put our backside in the saddle and, and go ride them, but the industry itself, racing industry, is changing away from breaking horses to starting horses and becoming acquainted with them like a family instead of acquainted with them like uh, father with a big club. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it hasn't worked well because it's changed to the extent that go ahead and use your club and your whip and your spur. Have the blood running down to their knees, but you ain't going to win anything anymore. Judges won't stand for it. The judges won't stand for it. Good. The horses won't stand for it. The scores don't stand for it. Mm-hmm. The horses that are treated without violence, are scoring higher. Which is important, which is critical. Well, it's the only thing that ma- matters, really, right. in, in, well, I in mean, horse they, competition. If they didn't change the judging, they wouldn't change the discipline. Hmm? Well, isn't it funny that judges that I see sitting up in the stand now, uh, 75 is a big score. 76 is almost unheard of, okay? And here's guys that finished their career and are now retired, that were horse beaters. Mm. And they're sitting there having to mark a 76 on a horse that's never been struck. Right. It's, it's incredible. It's changing in this lifetime. What, to, to that young person again, would you encourage them to work outside their disciplines in other disciplines? Does that help them? Does oh, that- I, I would encourage anybody interested in horses in any way to work in as many disciplines as you can. It's the horses. Get to know the horses. The discipline doesn't really matter. Yeah, we have uh, Charlotte uh, Bredahl Baker, mm-hmm. a medal winner in, in the Olympics in dressage. And uh, she didn't know me until, well, it's now about 30 years, I guess. Yeah. But she was trained early in the harsh ways that uh, dressage horses were trained. And she's come away from that completely. Single line lunging, for instance. She's a genius in what she's done to keep the horse's head inside the circle instead of outside the circle with the uh, single line lunging as it was when she was quite young. Now she's one of the most important trainers of other people in the uh, area of dressage. And that bridges over to eventing because dressage is a part of eventing Mm -hmm. and show jumping because it's a part of it. Eventing takes in all three. And there's still some tough guys, even some tough guys winning Mm -hmm. in in eventing. Mm -hmm. But that's going away. Mm -hmm. It's going away. And the nonviolent trained horse 
is winning more and more and more, even in inventing where you do all of those uh, disciplines. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about best practices then would be taking violence out, partnering with your horse. Um, Where does groundwork work in this? Because people sometimes pigeonhole you as a groundwork person. That's what you do. You start with Amani Roberts and then... Uh, you know, if you get in the saddle, it's something else. Yeah, well, a lot of people uh, didn't really know me or my methods until um, I, I was retired from the riding part of my career. So they saw me on the ground, and that's okay. Uh, I just had a young man come from Germany uh, by the name of Vincent's, um, and Vincent's Schirgen. Yeah is going to be a top, I predict, a top trainer in the thoroughbred industry. He was only with me five weeks, but you can't imagine how he gulped it up. And it was fantastic what I saw him do. He's off in Australia now, a part of the Godolphin operation. And um, you're going to see Vincent Schirgen is going to be one of the best trainers you could ever imagine in the in the thoroughbred industry. And people never saw me till I was on the ground. I retired in 66 from the saddle. I never showed a horse in the saddle after 66, 1966. <laughs> what is that, 60 years ago? It's a lifetime. <laughs> a lifetime, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the groundwork is what people know you for. But how do you think that's foundational in a best practices conversation? Well, it's foundational because groundwork is the foundation. Every horse is started with somebody's feet on the ground. Right. Um, and uh, so there, there's a, uh, a an uplift from that to get into the saddle. Uh, but if I've started a horse without any violence, I'm going to encourage those riders mm-hmm. not to use violence. Okay. And it moves on from there. And uh, as I've suggested to you before, Adolfo Cambiasso has a nephew and a son who are leading the world of polo today. They're the next generation. And they're not going to tolerate any violence toward horses that they're now spending $100,000 $150,000 for. Uh, they're, they're, they're brilliant earners. Yeah. Uh, of the horse's talents. I think this also carries over to the professional world, farriers, vets too. I I see a difference in some of their mentalities toward horses as well. Less. Oh, isn't that the truth? Um, Farriers are tough guys. Uh, They've always been tough guys and they use a hammer and, and a forge and get metal red hot. And every, everything is kind of manly about that. But isn't it amazing that I was the first one at the Hollywood Park racetrack before it was torn down to have a female farrier. The first, the, the first set of horses to go to Hollywood Park for any trainer was done by, uh, their feet were done by, uh, a female, Ada Gates, a farrier. And you never saw Ada Gates kick a horse in the belly or hit him with a rasp. Uh, But you have seen Ada Gates shoe horses that have been treated that way. And she gets them pretty good, pretty fast. Mm -hmm. 
And if they stay bad, and you can't blame some of them for staying bad, she'll call me in and I use my little come along on them or some methods and within a few minutes, they'll stand for her uh, like a statue. Mm -hmm. And she'll say, this is amazing. And then I'll get another call from her. Ada Gates is now in her 60s, I guess, or 70s. And so she she does more advising and standing by for the young farriers to do the work. But the, the farriery industry is changing just as much as the people with their backsides in the saddle. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So any last words for our, our young equestrian who wants to be a better horseman? Yeah, my last words are violence is never the answer. Violence is always for the violator and never for the victim. No one of us was born with the right to say, you must or I'll hurt you, to any other creature, animal or human. A couple years ago, I don't know how long ago it was now, mm-hmm. but uh, we we uh, had you on a, a number of our shows talking yeah. about the Equus Online University, which had just yeah. come out. It has developed. It's become better with the search engine in it, and it's become better with the forum because we have such an amazing forum. You know, a lot of those forums, people get on there and go, oh, no, you're not. Yes, you are. No, you're not. Yeah, usually it's, it ends up with the whiners on forums. <laughs> exactly. Right. And it's not. What I see is a mentoring. Actually, it's it's almost the polar opposite because um, the we, we do give these rosettes out for people who've completed so many lessons. And uh, once the rosettes started, now we have... Uh, we're up to five rosettes uh, for somebody who's watched every lesson. And you you have those rosettes by your forum uh, personality and your profile. And uh, so you can really see who's watched all these things. So it gives them credibility when they come in and say, hey, if you watch this lesson. So people come on there and they're using it as a, um, as a training tool, frankly, you know, and they get on there. And and I'm not bragging on on the university as the greatest training tool, which I think it is, but it's also a great place for people to be mentored as they begin their journey with horses. Um, it really, it really is cool. So when they watch the lessons and they can watch them over and over again as many times as they want, they get the lesson notes, they get audio, they get visual, and then they've got the forum to kick around too. Plus, we've got now since 2004, every week. Without fail, we put up a Q&A from Monty himself. He chose the question, he answered it, and we put it in a database. And that's actually free for everybody to search and get to. It's it's open on our um, Equus Online University. In other words, it's a non-subscriber open source forum too. Uh, not forum, but a Q&A base. Uh, the forum is not. You're, you're behind a subscriber wall for the forum just so we know who's talking. But it is... Um, it is it's been an incredible experience, actually, to put these together with Stefan Peters and Will Simpson. You know who I'm talking about. These these guys have won everything yep. in their worlds. And uh, Charlotte Bredals, and and if I get started, Rich, Richard Winters, and so many guest lecturers that are on there, too. So some people ask, why is it called the university? Well, that's what a university is. It's uh, it's not just one opinion. It's not just one deliverer. You know, and, and I think that's the difference between the uh, everybody is putting out a YouTube these days and they're free so people ask us sometimes why do you charge like up to ten dollars a month and well it's it's expensive to make the university everybody knows quality is is uh not cheap but it's really our mission statement and i know that sounds a bit trite but 
it's true. <laughs> when you when you've worked at it for five years, just to get all that quantified and on there, they're just almost no subjects we haven't covered at this point. But um, but Dad and I were looking at the list, and he goes, "Hey, I'm going to be making videos until well into my 90s." And I went, "Yes, <laughs> so, <laughs> promise and sign here." <laughs> so so we do have we do have a lot of subjects left to go, and a lot of people we want to still get on there. What do you think of it, Glenn? Well, I think that one of the things about training horses, as it, same as training anything, really, no. uh, is that you're you're going through stages, and you're always coming up to a new problem to solve uh-huh. or a new issue to deal with. And what I like about the university now that you have so much content on there mm-hmm. is that whatever issue you're running into, there's going to be something on there to help you. So not many people are going to go on there and watch all, you know, all the videos mm-hmm. uh, because there's just so many of them. What you're going to, what you're going to want to do is go on there and you're going to want to watch the videos that relate to the situation you're in currently with okay. that particular horse. Um, and, and that's what I like about it is it has, it has so much content now that whatever you're dealing with, you're probably going to find an answer somewhere, somehow. And if not, you can go to the forum. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I, I really like about it is wherever you're at now is where you can find that situation. Plus, you know, YouTube is so full of crap now. And I'm not saying that every video on there is crap, but there are, we all know what we're talking about. Uh, there are some that are. And, you know, one of the things that, I really like about this is you know you can trust it. Uh, you know that w- what you're seeing is something you can trust. I've tried doing repairs on uh, appliances and things off of YouTube videos, <laughs> and and you know some of them are good, some are not so good. And some, one of the things I couldn't get back together again. So oh. <laughs> you know, it's, you know that at least you didn't hurt yourself. That's right. Good. <laughs> so that's what I really like about it. And for that, yes, it costs a few. It costs a few pennies to do it, but it's worth it. Uh, nice. You know, it's worth it to do it right. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And it is tried and true. Everything on there is so tried and true. If not, you know, we'd be, they'd be throwing tomatoes at us in the forum. <laughs> but it really does work. And, and we, we are so happy that, uh, so many people have been, um, interested enough at least to go there, you know, and I should plug in the, the website right now is, um, www.montyrobertsuniversity.com, um, because people can get a free day pass on there and go see what we're talking about and, uh, and check out that search engine too. You can put in the weird little keywords and <laughs> you find all kinds of crazy stuff. It really is cool. And it breaks it down by, um, not just the lessons first, then it goes into the Q and A database and then it goes into the forum. So you can actually pick and choose where you, um, pick up those keywords from too. So um, it, it's great. And then you also have little challenge questions, which I love the little tests at the end. You know, there's always four questions at the end of your lesson to make sure that, you know, you were, you were watching. And um, if, if you get it wrong, it just says, want to try again? <laughs> and so you, by process of elimination, you get it right. And then it, it moves you on. And that's how you get your rosettes that you've accomplished that, um, that lesson and that you get to move on. But I, you know, what you just said is so important because when we were setting this, idea up. Um, nothing really existed like it. We didn't want it to be first you have to do one and then you have to do number two and then you have to do number three and like it was some sort of programmed process. Yeah, because that, that never works. It doesn't. It, <laughs> no. you know, because we wanted people who were amazing trainers to jump in there and go, this is what I, you know, what does Monty say about this or what does this trainer say about that? Uh, and they could be at a world-class level or it could be a very beginner saying, where do I start first? And you can you just go down the lessons if you want. But, you know, it's like you said, if all of a sudden you have a horse that won't load and you didn't have one last week that didn't load, you know, you go to the loading lessons right. and it's exactly. a whole series on it. <laughs> And it's MontyRobertsUniversity.com? That's it. 
Yeah. Thanks for asking. Dr. Alberto Rian was born and raised on a farm near the top of a mountain in Puerto Rico and rode his horse every day to the farm and back and to the store and to work cattle and to train for horse shows. After he experienced a catastrophic injury to his horse in training, he committed to becoming a veterinarian. And for the last 20 years, he has helped thousands of horses recover from injuries using a very specific method. Well, welcome, Dr. Alberto Rian. I'm so excited to have you on today. How are you calling from Oak, uh, let's see, Ocala, Florida, I think today, right? That's right. I am in Ocala, Florida. I am very excited to be talking to you as well. Thank you so much for taking the time. I wanted to have you on, Dr. Rulon, because you have such a great story, first of all. I mean, you're, you've come from a long way to get to such a healing place that you are. And I, I think you consider yourself a healer almost first before, um, let's say, a, a doctor, per se. Is that a fair statement? I think that's a very fair statement. Mm. I love that. Well, I always like to hear a horsey background if you've got one. And it's more important to me, even the professionals having a horsey background. So I'd love to, could you tell our our listeners, you know, a little bit about how you were raised up on a farm and where that was and how far you've come to get to Florida? Okay, um, absolutely. Um, Debbie, I was born and raised on a farm near the top of the mountain in the Caribbean island. Uh, Puerto Rico, to be exact, mm-hmm. where coffee, cattle, and horses were pretty much our way of life. Mm-hmm. I would ride my horse every day to to the farm, to the store, to work the cattle, to train for horse shows, to hide from my mom and dad. To <laughs> my my dad would even ride horses to the bar. Like horses were pretty much our number one uh, mode of. Uh, Mm-hmm. Transportation for fun, you know, we would do it on a daily basis. And we had cattle, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, one afternoon, while my dad was training one of my favorite horses for a competition, we he suffered an unexpected injury on both hind legs. Mm-hmm. And there was no veterinarian in our town that could help mm-hmm. the stallion. Mm-hmm. He was in pain for a very long time, and there, there was nothing I could do. I was eight-year-old at the moment, and it was super difficult for me to grasp that concept that no one could help my horse. There were so many human doctors in town, but not even one doctor for animals. And at that moment, that was a very crucial moment where I decided that I would dedicate the rest of my life to do whatever was possible to get a veterinary education, become a horse lameness veterinarian with vet to help injured horses so that this would not happen again. And mm-hmm. um, I know that this story is sort of not unique because a lot of people have felt the being the feeling of being helpless at times when a horse suffers um, an injury. And I believe that no horse owner or trainer or kid or anybody should help that desperate because their horse didn't have the veterinary attention. And at that, at that moment, I was also 
understanding that I didn't want that to ever happen when I was nearby. So for the next 20 plus years after that, I dedicated the basically the rest of my life to help horses um, recover from injuries. Mm-hmm. Well, you couldn't be in a better place. I don't know how you made it from Puerto Rico to Ocala, but it's such a horse capital, isn't it? And you must be having your hands filled. Um, but it must be very rewarding to have uh, be able to gain those skills now to treat horses. Do you feel like you're more of um, proactive in keeping the horses healthy, or do, does your practice mostly focus on those that are already injured? We do both for sure, and Good. probably a probably an even split at this moment. However, my my, my constant go to is toward, towards being conditioning. I want I want people, clients, trainers, owners see us as a conditioning center. And as a matter of fact, when anybody asks me about our center, we say conditioning and rehab. I try to emphasize the word conditioning because there's so much to to gain from preventing injuries than having to um, go and trying to fix an injury. That's so smart. I was fortunate enough. I, I did a little digging on you and saw lots <laughs> of YouTube videos that you've put up. And um, and I, I love your concepts. I love the fact that you are trying to build up horses that even some young horses that just putting their first muscling on so that they, I, I know that that helps with bone structure done early and if it's not overdone, but do you, do you help a lot of horse, horses that are not even saddled and starting out to build top lines? Yes, absolutely. There is a, as, you know, we have, there's a lot of sales that go on in the United uh. States and, and Europe where horses that are winlings and yearlings and even two-year-old horses that get sold at a at a young age with, mm-hmm. a, with a vision to be future athletes. And me as a young athlete, I actually got hurt when I was in high school and my aspirations of a professional athletic career got cut very short, very quick because I was training. I had a trainer in school and I was training without certain controls to prevent injuries. Mm-hmm. And I followed the same teachings that I, that kind of, that I went through and now I help owners and trainers who have a horse whose vision is to become an athlete an athlete mm-hmm. to help train in such a way where we minimize impact when the horse is in certain growing states and we minimize uh, tendon uh, strength or tears uh, mm-hmm. depending on the stage of the horse etc we have had real good success although we have been doing that relatively short period of time. We've only been doing that for over five years right now, but we have been very successful in short amount of time. 
Yes, we we heard about you. So I know you're building a reputation out there. That's great. Um, I I read where you said that there are three fundamental concepts that every horse owner trainer needs to know in order to recover a horse successfully uh, to build that horse up. And um, I read that you said it was anatomy, treatments, modalities, and rehab. So did I read right? Is that your focus? You read it absolutely right. From the very beginning of my career, I learned that we have to simplify simplify things. And sometimes when, when you make things very complicated, the outcome is not the desired outcome. And if, if you think of the biggest successes in the world, they usually come from simple things. So what I preach is that there are three things that need to be known by anybody who's trying to bring a horse from injury to athletic career. Or bring back a horse. And these are definitely anatomy because you need to know the exact anatomy that got injured. If you don't know the anatomy that injured, that's injured, you will have trouble rehabbing a horse. Okay. Then choosing the treatment and then the rehabilitation plan directly related to the injury. Okay. So I know that you said Great. Um, I'm on the right track. I know that you said mm-hmm. you focus on traditional medicine plus alternative treatment modalities, and um, that's taking the equine world by a little surprise sometimes that you're reducing some of those recovery times. How are you achieving some of that? We have a what I like to call a fully integrated system. And once we identify the injury, we also understand what we call the the origin of the injury. Why mm-hmm. we want to understand why did the injure? Why did the horse get injured? And many times you find that there are other components to that injury. So we work very closely on getting that injury healed then quickly figuring out what else is going on with the horse because many times there are other parts of the body that are injured, whether it's the upper body, the hip, the some other leg, the hind legs and, and putting and the horse putting a lot of work in the in the front leg and injured the front leg. Whichever the original cause is, we really put a lot of emphasis on that. And I think that is I believe that that is a key to the success of the of the rehabilitation because we design a treatment plan not just for the injury that the horse is presenting, but also for the original injury. And then we design a rehabilitation plan for both. Okay. Does that make sense? It does, actually. Yes, I, I can imagine. I mean, a lot of people just treat um, the inflammation in the spot and i and i can i can understand that too and you don't know sometimes the depth of an injury one thing i would love to ask you more about too are aqua treads because i feel you and i talked a lot about different therapies that are going on out there and we do have an aqua tread so i'm wondering 
undoubtedly you don't just use one modality. You probably use multiples because you need to. But how do you determine a protocol for each horse's needs? Or maybe I should ask the question, how does an owner work with a veterinarian to determine the protocols for each horse's needs? David, that's a great question Um, because we, the veterinarians, and specifically the rehab veterinarians, we have done a very poor job developing scientific studies and very precise studies regarding rehabilitation of horses. This, I feel like this industry got developed a lot in trial and error because there's not a whole lot of studies. About two, three years, about three years ago, a lot of rehabbers from all over the world met in, in Kentucky and we exposed all over, over our research and all, all of the data. And the conclusion was that there's not enough data. Yeah. So it was kind of a wake up call to see how do we do what you just asked. In our case, we have pretty much develop a lot of the protocols ourselves. And in addition to what protocols have already been established by the forefathers of the of the industry. And in the aquatry, which is such such a good rehab tool, for example, I like I like to use the aqua pacer or, mm-hmm. or, or any aqua thread. I, we have the aqua pacer, but there are many underwater treadmills available. And I like to use them as soon as I can in any rehabilitation. I compare I compare the underwater treadmill to going to the gym and working your core or mm-hmm. strengthening your core. If you have a strong core, there's a high chance that the rest the rest of the body will follow up and become healthy. It's, it happens in in people and it also happens in horses. That's interesting. And, and it makes so much sense when I think about it, too. And I, I know that Aquatread is to, um, it, it's not a, a wind developer. It's, you know, it, it's not an aerobic exercise per se. They get exercise and you do have to watch for the, for the exhaustion, but, uh, but it rarely gets to that, right? Do you, I mean, I read that the ideal time is maybe at least starting off a program 15, 20 minutes walking in the in the aqua tread two two parts to that answer okay in our practice we have i have never seen it to be an aero, a, a win exercise i've never seen the the lactate which is a marker of high intensity exercise go go up or or even move the needle and in, in another podcast we can talk about the pool and the lactate story that we actually have been doing mm-hmm. um the, the results are super interesting and probably going to revolutionize the, the way people swim horses. Mm-hmm. But back to your back to your question on on how how much how long. There are different levels of water. In our, in our case, we have different levels. So depending where we put the water, we control which muscles we are targeting. And I think that is a very powerful tool with the underwater treadmill because if I want certain muscles, I can go all the way to the foot or I can put the water to the fedlock or I can put the water to the knee or I can put the water to the to the elbow or I can put the water to the chest depending on what 
what I want to focus on and what kind of range of motion I want to promote. In terms of time, there is a rule of thumb, like you say, we start 15, 20 minutes, then we go 20, then we go 30, and we seldom go over 45 minutes. Yeah, that makes sense. I know you said pools, too. You mentioned pools. So there's pools, treadmills, and spas are probably the go-to water therapies. Is that right? Yes. I like to call those my my water sports. Your water sports. <laughs> no skiing, though. No skiing. The water sports for horses. That's right. Uh-huh. So do you use all of those or any of those not something that you're interested in? I do. We have we have all of them. Yeah. Um, Depending the injury, let's say we are at the beginning stages of a bone injury, a bone bruising, for example, mm-hmm. and I want to really decrease the inflammation and get that what we call cool down, right? Mm-hmm. I can put it in the cold salt water spa, put them at 40 degrees Celsius, 40 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, with salt some minerals, and it's like going to the beach in Long Island. Uh-huh. give them great relief. <laughs> Putting the legs of a horse in, in the beach, give them great relief and great anti-inflammatory technique, very good for cooling down. Then that particular horse, there's no reason that horse couldn't start going to the pool as well mm-hmm. and doing some some exercise, some swimming. And if that horse, if it's a race horse, for example, and there is no contraindication and the horse to go in the underwater, excuse me, in the pool, for example, I don't like, we don't like to put stifle injuries in the, in the mm-hmm. pool. We don't like to put back injuries. Anything that could cause a hyperextension problem. Yeah. Uh, so assuming that they meet the proper criteria, we put that horse in the pool and we continue the conditioning on the, of this horse. That way, when the injury is recovered, this horse is in real good condition and can go back to athletic uh, yeah. to athletic activity a lot faster. So many advantages. This is so great. I mean, I I read range of movement is an advantage. You can just gain range of movement. You can increase lumbar flexion. You can decrease impact shock by using the water, and it does create a, a cross training opportunity too. Um, just so many advantages for the health of our horses and the rehab of our horses. I'm so so happy to have you as such a smart brain out there leading the edge. So what is the future of these science trials or how are we going to get more printed material about these things? Another great question. I don't know. <laughs> full of questions today. Um, there is a there's a battle. There's a battle right now in the industry between research and clinical. And let me tell you why why there's a battle. Let's say that we have a client and this client needs to compete in a high-level competition within the next six to eight months. It's very difficult for us to tell that client, okay, here's all the tools that we have. Here's all these toys. But I want you to enter in a control study where your horse is going to do nothing. Another horses competing with you will actually get to use the other tools. Mm-hmm. And you're going to sign off here that you're going to agree to that and participate in this amazing study 
that is going to make the industry go forward. Yeah. And at this time, I have had zero yeah. people willing to do that. <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> and and that is where that is where the problem starts. Where with the, with the data that we we have issues comparing apples to apples, mm-hmm. oranges to oranges. We have to make a, a mix and where we compare apples to pears and think that an apple might be resemblance of a pear. Yeah. In other words, we can take a horse that is a backyard horse that we can actually use as a control study, who is a very nice, beautiful pet, and mm-hmm. we have to compare the results on that horse to a horse that is a Grand Prix show, yeah. uh, a Grand Prix athlete. So that is the, the controversy and problem that we have with, with data acquisition at this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that is a problem, getting them to volunteer their horses. Yeah. that's We had the same problem when we started the school here uh, in the 90s. We, we said, show of hands, those people who want our students to experiment with your grand champions. No, not too many. And I, I get that. So we did, we started taking horses from rescues, but I can understand with rehab and rehabilitation and athleticism, you, it's not the same thing. Equine behavior is not exactly the same as equine athleticism. So, uh, well, we will keep fighting for you. We'll get this message out to how do people find you? How do people, um, do you have a website? Is there an area that they can um, track you down and get their horse into your program? I do. I do. Absolutely. I have a website, which is called epcrehab.com. That is epcrehab.com. When we first opened, our name was Equine Performance Center. So we, we opened up that website, epcrehab.com. Then okay. over the years, we changed the name to Epic. So now it's Equine Performance oh, yeah. Innovative Center. Very good. We'll put that in the show notes so people can track you down too and and find you. And I I so appreciate the time and the knowledge that you've given us today too. It's really great. I would love to have you on um, as as we find more questions to ask you, Alberto, and and as you have news for us about the progress I hope we're making out there, however it happens, uh, we would love to hear more from you. I would love to stay connected. I would love to pass the message. It's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Absolutely. My honor. Thank you, Dr. Alberto Rian. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place in the The magic in the language of the Dear Monty, do you ride with a whip or use one on the ground? Do you call it a whip or a crop or something else? Do you think what you call it is important? And if so, why? Monty's answer. 
Since 1949, I have not ridden with a whip. I often use the giddy-up rope, which is a collection of cotton yarn braided soft so that it can cause no pain. It is my opinion that striking the horse causing pain is ultimately counterproductive in many ways. I've been able to achieve 11 world championships without the use of a whip. My position has been clear for my entire adult life that causing pain to the flight animal is virtually never productive. Obviously, treating an injury can be painful and surgery can produce pain, but whipping to improve performance is a fallacy. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. November 12th, we have our Mountain Trail Play Day. November 14th through December 2nd, we are holding the Advance Course, bringing in Denise Heinlein from Germany for that. December 17th, we have a Mountain Trail Play Day that is open to non-boarders coming in and having a try on our competitive trail. And then December 16th through 18th, we close out our year with our last horse sense and healing for those with post-traumatic stress, first responders, veterans, EMTs, and uh, it's one of the most gratifying things we do all year. There we go. And you can learn all that and more at MontyRoberts.com. You can speak with a lovely, helpful, knowledgeable human being at Monty's Farm, 805-688-6288. And for details about today's show, you're going to go to HorsemanshipRadio.com where you're going to find links, photos, and more information about the guests. We love your feedback. We love to hear from you. And a good way to do that is via social media. You can find Monty Roberts on Facebook. It's Monty Roberts, the one with the little blue check mark. He's on Twitter and Instagram, and his handle is Monty underscore Roberts. Mm, and many thanks to our sponsors. That is Hands On Gloves and MontyRobertsUniversity.com. Be sure to visit all those other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. Oh, 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 oh,